Good morning. <clears throat> Thank you for joining. Practice of being aware of awareness. So the practice of being aware of awareness is a is invitation to notice all that mind is saying is happening. And it's not an attempt to evade that or suppress that elude that or rid ourselves of that narrative. It's often a chance to see right through it. It's an invitation to check into what is being and what is aware. Is being happening right now? And we noticed like we didn't turn it on this morning. For me, it was more an experience of kind of re-inhabiting the ongoing being that I was aware had been being all through the night. So it wasn't the absence of awareness. It was more like the awareness of absence. And now there's an awareness of fullness. So it's being happening. How do we know that? How's that known? What we can see is that being's already happening. Any kind of narrative about what is happening, to whom it's happening, why it's happening, when it's gonna happen, when it's gonna stop happening, all that is seen to come in after the beingness, which is ongoing, unbroken. So we just trust during this time, there is nothing else to keep track of or do or get rid of or be because the beingness is given and the invitation is to allow attention to land on the beingness
And when we say we're allowing attention to land on the beingness, mind could give us like a picture of our bodies or the heart or some other physical aspect, because that's what the mind does. It just constantly gives us pictures and narratives. So sometimes it's a helpful symbol in the beginning to use the, the heart. We say we put attention on the beingness. We let the mind show us where, where the heart is. <laughs> I don't know if in your mind you're getting a little picture of your center core right there in the chest. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with a, with a good bridge identity to settle attention, to allow the breath to slow even deeper if that's what it's to do. Because as the breath slows, the brain waves slow. As the brain waves slow, attention is much less jittery, less jumpy. So we're just connecting with the ongoing beingness. That's the direct experience of everyone. Attention doesn't usually turn around for many, many, many people. But it's the first content in the field of awareness, the liveness, sentience. a sense of being, of existence, of knowing that there is beingness and existence ongoing right here.
And it's this resting back. This relaxing in, dropping in to the beingness. that allows a kind of a broader, more panoramic sense of knowingness to emerge. Like when our eyes are open, the knowingness seems to just come out of the front of the face, right? But when eyes are closed and we're dropping back into the beingness, where is the knowingness emanating from? Where does the knowingness start? What direction is it pointed? Can you, if there's some sense of a you that can manipulate the knowingness or is in control of the knowingness, has domain over the knowingness, if that sense is there, maybe try to turn off the knowingness with that control, that domain, that, that doership that seems to be present. Just, just flip that knowingness switch off right now. So there's just you and no knowingness. So we can often see pretty quickly, at least I can. Others have reported they can see that there's not a me who has the faculty of knowingness. There's knowingness in which an idea of me persistently arises.
And often it can be seen that that's a notion. That's a thought form. That's an object that arises, is seen by and then dissolves in. The knowingness, the beingness, the awareness that we are. So this knowingness, this field of alive sentient knowingness, has arise, often arising within it. This ongoing waves of sound. And the field doesn't expand and contract to kind of catch the sounds, right? It's not like the sounds are butterflies and awareness is a net that has to just keep them getting bigger and bigger. The, the awareness, the field, and the silence, of that awareness of that field. I guess maybe the first thing we do is check to see if the awareness itself, the field itself makes sounds or if we can confirm in our direct experience. That all we've ever heard from the field and the awareness is silence.
and it's the field of silence out of which all the sounds come. So they rise and they fall within the field. Do we ever have an experience of something coming in from outside awareness? And do we ever have a direct experience of a sound leaving awareness and going beyond? another way <laughs> is there any place space where awareness is not So the silence
is an aspect of this infinite field of awareness. And since awareness is always present, we've never had an experience of something coming in from outside of awareness or leaving awareness and going beyond. And everything arises out of the silence, crashes into the world of manifestation of sound, and then dissolves back into the silence. And we can look and check with our own experience. <laughs> do we do anything? Is there any doing in that? In other words, does it have anything to do with us? Or are we just sheerly the witness? The knowing of it. Can we see that the sounds that arise in the silence aren't happening to us? They're happening in us. What knows the sound? The knowingness, right? The awareness. This one, the one that's feeding up into our brains so that we can recognize and orient and experience. All these sounds are arising in us. 
and dissolving in us. This us, this field, this silent awareness, can we find a beginning to it? Point at which we can say it's not, and then it begins. A demarcation, a limit, a boundary. We don't think about it. We don't try to remember if we've seen it before. We simply look, investigate. Empirically, either sustain that knowing or disprove it. Can we find an end point to this sentient field of knowingness? To the silence? So we notice that this field, this knowingness in which all the objects appear, whether they're thought objects, sensations, 
Now all perception plays in and out of this field. That is the, the light, so to speak, by which we know the content of our experience. And this knowingness, this light by which we know the content of our experience. This light can itself be known. And I find it kind of exciting slash curious slash bewildering to contemplate in my direct experience, how does this light know itself? How do we know, not just that we have this kind of inner spotlight, in which we can empirically investigate our own experience. But we know in those moments of investigation that we are looking with a spotlight. So we aren't the spotlight. We're the knowing of that spotlight. Now, even when we look to see and we ask, does, does awareness, does this field of knowingness have an outer boundary? Can we find a limit? There's an experience of looking for a limit, right? But behind that is the knowing that there's some movement of looking towards this concept called limit. The whole thing is seen from a further back perspective. And further back is using three-dimensional language for something that is not experienced to be limited to the three dimensions. Because along with every experience is the knowing of that experience, the knowing of which isn't in time or space. We can't know the knowing of yesterday. We can remember it. The neural network can call it up. But the infinite spaciousness of now of here is 
is only available now and here. And the good news is, like the very, very good news is, it's always now and always here. Regina does an exercise where she says, all right, everyone get in touch with now, right? Is it now, right now? Is everyone sure? Is everyone sure? All right. Okay, put your hands up. Everyone put your hands up. Is experiencing the now, right now, and can confirm that in their direct experience, not a concept, not a memory, right? And she says, okay, put your hand down. When now passes, you know, be there to notice it, catch it, and put your hand down. So what knows it's now? What knows it's now? <sighs> so put a different way. What doesn't know that it's always now? There's only one thing that doesn't know that it is always now. And that is the movement of mind.
firing up the neural networks that brings attention up into thinking and out of its knowingness of now. But even that can only happen now. So that's what doesn't know now. What does know that it's now? So let me ask you, whatever knows it's now, wouldn't it make sense that's what you are, what I am, what we are, whatever that is. Isn't that our most direct sense of what we are? We are that which knows it's now. I mean, we can venture into concepts and name it different things. But if we operationalize, what it is that knows now, it would be the knowing of it. Like that would be the proof, wouldn't it? That would be the confirmation. So what knows it's now? What knows that it was now when we started this meditation? What knew it was now, the moment that you clicked in? What knew it was now, as soon as the, the knowingness, the consciousness returned to the body this morning? What knows it's now, right now? Has that changed at all during those intervals?
read to you a little bit from Helen Hamilton's Solving the Eagle, the Ego, Solving the Eagle. This is chapter 18, recognizing your own subjectivity. subject that knows all objects, knows the absence of all objects, just by its knowingness. We have been conditioned or trained to perceive ourselves to be an object. What we have been used to define ourselves as is this subtle sense of being a someone in or with a body. The sense of being someone is really just a collection of thoughts about me and what I like, I don't like, my dreams and hopes and goals and failures, my past regrets, future wishes, and more. This all coagulates together to become our sense of self and is really a subtle object. An object is a thing that has a definable location and duration in time and space, right? It's three-dimensional. Has a location and a duration in time and space. We are used to calling solid things objects, such as a table, a planet, a human body, or an apple. As humans, we tend to disregard the subtle objectivity of thoughts and emotions and sensations in the body. All of this we put together, we call it me. I want you to begin to examine if me is subjective or objective. Was this sense of me here before the body was? Will it still remain after the body goes? Anything that relies on the body for its existence, such as thought, which needs a brain to think it, must be finite or in actuality an object. The sense of me is perhaps the most subtle object of all, as it is always coming and going. What is all this driving at? It is to get you to realize that thoughts, feelings, emotions come and go, and therefore must be objects having a finite lifespan in time and space. So too must your body be an object as it will go just as it came one day. All that you can perceive are objects. Stop for a moment and confirm this to be true before continuing. Can anything that you perceive be other than an object. And in the language of the meditation for the last 
couple of days. It's all content, all objects, everything we can perceive. That is everything that comes in through the senses is an object, is content. Can we see that? Can we confirm that's true for us? Can we put a little you know, hashtag, a little tick mark next to that concept saying, yes, I've seen this, I know this. This is now part of what I know from my own direct experience. Everything I can perceive is an object. It's all content. Now, Helen writes, turn attention to what is perceiving. Is that an object? Turn attention to what is perceiving. Is that an object? If you, the perceiver of all thoughts, emotions, bodies, time, and space were an object, then you must have a location. When we look for this location, we find only no thingness, right? And we turn attention around to look for what is perceiving. We don't find an object, do we? We find no thingness. We don't find a thing. The senses, right? Perception cannot locate an object. The sense of me, therefore, can be seen to be a subtle object, yet the one seeing this cannot be seen. You begin to realize that what we really are is the subjective, that which sees the objects, right? The subjective nothingness that is watching all objective thingness.
We can stop right now and see if you can find the one that knows, sees, perceives the me or the person feeling. You can stop right now and see if you can find the one that knows, sees, perceives the me with that subtle person feeling. You will not be able to find it anywhere in a place. It is the placeless place. Helen writes, the first time you realize what you are is this pure subjectivity. It can be quite shocking, but it will become more obvious as you confirm it again and again. The aim of this practice is to reverse the tendency, right? To think of yourself as an object to dry up that program. To allow that neural pathway to wither from lack of use. The aim of this practice is to reverse the tendency to think of yourself as an object. Objects like thoughts will be there, but they are always appearing in and witnessed by this subjective capital S self.
first time you realize that what you are is pure subjectivity. It can be quite shocking, but it will become more obvious as you confirm it again and again. The aim of this practice is to reverse the tendency to think of yourself as an object. Objects, like thoughts, will be there. But they are always appearing in and witnessed by this subjective self. Keeping attention on the subjectivity and not allowing it to go back to the passing phenomena of objects allows the truth of what you are to be revealed to you. And that concludes our hour.